yesterday, we are going to have students and faculty members that have participated in one or, in this case, one or more of our programs that we offer at the National Council in hopes of strengthening the relationship between the United States and the Arab world. So I'm really thrilled that you get to hear their perspective and their insight on their experiences with their programs. And our first speaker today has participated in just about every program that I think we offer. I could easily hand her over my job, and I know she would handle it flawlessly. So without further ado, I'd like to bring Dr. Holly Jordan to the stage. Honored guests, and of course, the students from the National Council study visits, and experiential learning projects that I am just so proud to see here today, so many of whom I actually taught over the years. My name is Holly Jordan, and I stand before you a National Council on U.S. Arab Relations success story. I stand here as, um, unfortunately, the recipient of the 2012 uh, Lifetime Achievement Award, which means I peaked at 27. Um, but I'm okay with it because it meant that I got to be involved in these programs for as long as I did. Over the last 15 years, I have been involved in nearly every program um, related to both the Model Arab League and the study travel visits that the National Council offers. As a student, I participated as a delegate and a chair at the Southeast, Northeast, and National Conferences. Through this experience, I met lifelong friends and colleagues and was able to travel to the region um, through the support of the National Council. In 2004, I traveled to Jordan the summer after my freshman year of college for a six-week immersive Arabic and Levantine politics program. Traveling the country and putting my knowledge from the Arab League to the test, I was enriched so much by this program that would not have been possible without the Council, and it led me to change my major over to political science. In 2013, I again traveled with the National Council to Lebanon for a two-week cultural exchange program. Throughout my career in academia, I've been fortunate enough to bring my own students to the Model Arab League program and was able to mentor them the same way as my faculty mentored me. Most notably through my lifelong friendship with another Arab League alum, Dr. Philip Diagati, I co-authored the Model Arab League Manual, the only textbook available that prepares students and faculty to train, teach, and perform at Model Arab League conferences. I would have had none of these life experiences without the vision of Dr. Anthony, and the tireless work of student programs coordinators such as Sidney Jones and Michael Ader. It is not an overstatement to say that the Model Arab League program completely changed my life. After my experiences my first year at Commerce College in Spartanburg, South Carolina, as I said, I changed my major to politics and international affairs and began an intensive study of the Levant region. My travel to Jordan solidified these goals, and I began a path that led me to complete my PhD in political and cultural theory at Virginia Tech. At Virginia Tech and then Roanoke College, I was fortunate to have institutional support to start Model Arab League programs and the Appalachian Regional Model Arab League Conference, and I was able to bring the same opportunities to my students that the National Council was able to give me. I worked with the advisors from Congress College, Georgia State University, Northeastern University, uh, and Kennesaw State University, all of whom had mentored me over the 11 years of college that I attended and was welcomed by them as a peer. I met many individuals in this room, including Dave DeRoche and Ambassador Nam, who inspired me to pursue the career that led me to this room today. I moved on from academia recently and am now working at ANERA, or American Near East Refugee Aid. 
Many of you were lucky enough to attend the roundtable yesterday where my colleague and boss, Sean Carroll, spoke about Amera's work. For those of you unfamiliar with Amera, we were founded in 1968 in response to the 1967 war and have been providing humanitarian aid, supporting infrastructure projects, soliciting in-kind donations, and fostering education programs in the region ever since. I first became aware of Amera's work through one of my dear friends, who is also in attendance here today, Linda Funch who led a National Council trip to Lebanon, of which I was fortunate enough to become a member. I met with our then-CEO, Bill Corcoran, who impressed me with his presentation of Anera and its important community-based approach to development. At Anera, I get to do what we did every weekend at conferences in D.C., in Boston, in South Carolina. And unlike my weekends in D.C. as an undergraduate, I actually get paid to do it. I work with an amazing team of researchers and program designers to win new grants and design new programs that have direct positive impact on the lives of people in the region. I have members of my team who are Lebanese, Jordanian, and Palestinian, and we all work together through local partners to bring community-based, conflict-sensitive development to the countries I was able to represent as a student. As I look over the model Arab League agendas every single year for committees such as social affairs, economic affairs, and Palestinian affairs, the topics every year are absolutely in line with what Amira does on the ground and are critical to the many conversations that begin and continue at this policymakers conference every single year. The topics our students debate at conferences are really that relevant and are a big part of shaping the future attendees of this conference, each of whom is making an impact on the world. I am proud of the work that I do every day, and I am grateful to have the opportunity to use the skills I developed in council programs every single day at work. So let me get to what I actually have to say after that lengthy introduction. The National Council's programs matter. I've dedicated nearly half of my life to this organization. Through my experiences, I learned what all of you already know. It is one thing to study this region and to learn everything you can from books and lectures. It's quite another, uh, sorry, excuse me, it's another thing altogether to take on the role of a diplomat at Model Arab League or to travel to the region. Travel gives us the opportunity to hear others' stories, to find common ground with them, and to realize that at the end of the day, we all want the same things, love, the support of a community, a better future for our children, and to leave the world a little bit better than when we entered it. With your support, Model Arab League and the Council Study Travel Visits will continue to provide students the opportunity to learn, to think critically, to strategize with partners, to creatively address the world's most challenging problems, and, as is so important, to learn to find common ground with people with whom one thinks they have little in common with. Let me emphasize and italicize this point. Again, these programs matter. Please look on your tables today for the donation envelopes you'll see placed there. To give you some example of how much just even a little bit of money can go towards, a monthly gift of 20 bucks will support recruitment efforts to bring even more students into this program. $200 pays for pretty much all of the conference materials that are needed, placards and name tags. And $1,100 will pay for a round-trip ticket so any student that is without means can still afford to go on these travel opportunities that the council so graciously puts together for us. Several of the alumni of these student programs, from Model Arab League to the internship program to the study travel program, are about to express their own experiences of everything the National Council has to offer students and learners. I take the liberty of expressing on their behalf their appreciation for you hearing their words today. I know that their passion for these programs will echo my own, and I hope you are inspired to continue your support of 
model Arab League and other study programs for the National Council in any way that you possibly can. Thank you so much for your time today, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you so much, Dr. Jordan. Our next speaker joins us from the United States Central Command. I'd like to welcome Lieutenant Colonel Jason Johnson to the podium. Thank you. So, um, Michael Adler contacted me a few days ago and asked me if I would come speak for a few minutes. And um, I said, sure, why not? I'll come and support the council, whatever we do. So, um, finishing doing everything I did, I just felt over and no no, so I'm going to do what I've done. <clears throat> sure, thanks. So, I'm just going to do what I've done since I've been um, participating in the program, which is speak from the heart. So, um, so, just for a little bit of background, in my current capacity, I work in a central command legislative affairs office. I've been doing this job for about two and a half years, and what I do is sit down and have frank, informative, and timely conversations with um, congressional members and staffers in their quest to provide oversight, support, and resources to the thousands of soldiers sailors, airmen, and marines that are deployed in the Central Command region. And it's been a fantastic ride for me in this job, I have to say. Love the job. So um, about a year into the job, my command decided that if you're going to be an advocate for, for our troops and you're going to be an advocate for our region, we really need you to go out and get some dirt on your boots, not in the capacity of serving as a military member because I have multiple deployments, but just to sit down and speak about the cultural aspects. And so um, we have a very competitive uh, selection process, and I was selected to uh, participate in the Malone Fellowship with my grand dream. So um, I had no idea what to expect. I just heard about it from other people, and they just said, you have to go, you have to go. So I, I couldn't wait to go. So I've been to the Middle East plenty of times. I've never been to Oman, read about it. And um, that's almost like saying that, um, you know, I've read about how to fix cars, so therefore I'm a mechanic, right? You really don't know until you do it. So um, we landed, we've been there for about two weeks on the ground. And over, the, over that time frame, uh, we saw everything from the capital city of Muscat all the way uh, to the mountains, to the desert, um, to the tiny village of Kamzar that's only accessible by ship. And... Um, one thing I can tell you consistently, the main thing that I learned from um, going to Oman is that you never want to leave. I really mean that. Um, so it's fantastic. It's just a sense of peace and calm over the country. Um, everyone from the highest levels of government that we had sit down with different ministers to kids that we met on the beach or people we walked across the shops, everyone was just happy, smiling all the time, and it's just a sense of calm that pervades the entire country, and when I left Oman, uh, well, let me backtrack a little, before we left Oman, uh, me and my colleagues, I believe there were 15 to 20 of us, we were continuously grilled by Dr. Anthony, and um, just to make sure that we understand the cultural nuance, the history, and all those different things, and, um, and having him, as well as the other council staff there, really just dialed in for us about why it really mattered. So when I left Oman, I was like, okay, love the place, can't wait to go back. And um, I really 
was just going to be yet another experience that I was going to have that, you know, would just be good for me. Little did I know that things were about to change in my region of the world. What I will tell you is that after the Malone Fellowship, the ability to speak to individuals about the importance of Oman, um, the the strategic location, the partnership, the people, all of the different things that Oman does for us in our region is, I can't really put um, a quantifiable uh, number or some kind of factor to make you understand just how important it's been. Um, Just sitting down with uh, members and staffers who actually work with primarily and they go, why do I need to go to Oman and why does Oman matter? And sit down and explain it to them and see them and go, okay, well, maybe we need to put Oman on a map and maybe we need to go to Oman. I will tell you, if I had not participated in this program, I would not have been able to have those conversations. And for some reason, I'm the Oman expert, which is scary. So, because every time you ask me a question, I just ask Dr. Anthony, who is the Oman expert. So, you know, but anyway, um, I just want to say how grateful I am that I was able to participate in the program. Um, even though it was very difficult while we were there to get raked overhead and hit all the time by Dr. Anthony with his walking stick, um, it was a great experience. And I really, truly appreciate it. And I can't say how much I um, support uh, what Dr. Anthony and his team is doing for us, um, as well as the council and this program as well. Thank you. So our next speaker joins us from George Mason University, where she's not only a professor there, she's also their Model United Nations and Model Arab League faculty advisor. So please join me in welcoming Dr. Sonia Taylor to the stage. Good afternoon, and I am going to take a little different approach than what the others have had. I decided that many of you know about many things that in terms of education, and I thought I would focus a little bit more on contrasting what the programs are that the Council does with the regular Model United Nation format. So if any of you are not familiar with Model UN, basically there is no national organization, and any high school or university that wants to host a conference will try to put a conference together and invite people. And some of the bigger Model UN conferences draw thousands of students, and when they go to committee sessions, they may have 50 to hundreds of people in a room like this. So it's very easy to attend a conference and not actively participate, not actively get to get in a serious debate or work hard to pass resolutions. And a lot of students honestly choose which conference to go to by the ones that have the reputation of being the best party conference. So after leading students for about three years, I came across the Mall Arab League Conference and um, worked with my class to prepare. And I'd never been to Mall Arab League. But I said, okay, it's our first day. Let's arrive early and let's go into one of the council sessions and you can pick a spot to sit down so the chair can see you so you can actively participate. But we walk into the council rooms and there's an oblong table with pen, paper, water, chairs, placards of your country's name. And our students realized we can't hide. We have to come and be really prepared. So 
the model Arably really forces students to actively participate and know their subjects. So I said, okay, we're ready. Put your stuff down. Let's go to the opening ceremony. So about five minutes before the ceremony begins, then walk cadets from two academies in full uniform, totally intimidating my delegation. And we knew that we were not at a party conference. So every opportunity I can, I take my students to model Arably conference where they actively participate and work closely with everyone to achieve common goals. The second thing that's very different is the internship opportunity for college students. Most students actually pay their university for three credit hours and have to find their own internship program, normally unpaid. And those who end up working on the Hill, particularly during the summer when they're in recess, don't have much to do, or they don't have space to where they have their own desk or own computer, so they just sit around and are waiting for something to happen. Well, not so if they are selected by the council to be one of their 25 fellows with an internship. Not only are they assigned to work with an organization in the D.C. area that has a lot to do with the Arab world, but they are working full-time, and then they have meetings twice a week with the council to discuss what they're doing and have guest speakers and also go on a tour somewhere in the D.C area to learn more about the institutions and foreign policy. So they clearly have an outstanding educational opportunity compared to most other internships. But my most favorite part is the council actually offers compensation. But Dr. Anthony is smart enough. He has figured out that they don't receive their compensation until they have successfully fulfilled their internship. So it works very well. Last but not least is something that I can't compare to other institutions because no one else in the area offers what the council does. And that is the things that the other speakers have talked about. The fellowships and the opportunity for both students and faculty to travel to the different countries and meet the people and learn about their warmth, their hospitality, and their cultures. We also learn about the perspective of their viewpoints of U.S. foreign policy, and it's instrumental in making it possible for me to come back and educate my students and prepare them for the conferences. So I've been on two trips, and the outcomes of these trips with the council, I'm very excited about both of them, but I came back and started two study abroad programs. I wasn't going to name drop, but since we've already mentioned Oman many times, I've taken my students twice to Oman, it's a lovely country, and I'm taking my students in the spring to a new country as well. The last trip, I had the pleasure of being with Dr. Anthony, and of course, all of his insight was instrumental for making it a more interesting trip. He knows everyone. Everyone knows him. The doors were wide open. But the thing I didn't really realize until sitting down with them was how small the office and the staff is and how many different things they do. When I first started attending model Arably conferences 17 years ago, there were maybe four conferences throughout the United States. Now they have over 28 in the U.S. for high school and college students. They now have four model Arably 
also have to recruit, select, and train the fellows and the interns, which is a tremendous undertaking. But most of all, none of this would be possible without the support and guidance from many of you that are here. So on behalf of all of us that are in higher education, we'd like to especially thank you for all of your financial assistance that has helped educate us about the importance and understanding of the Arab world. So thank you, Council, for your wonderful work. Thank you, Dr. Taylor. Our final speaker during this panel is R. Martirosian, and he joins us from Hampshire College. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, esteemed guests. My name is R. Martirosian, and I would like to say that it is an incredible honor to be able to attend this conference. Um, as you enjoy your lunch um, and, you know, settle in, I will be in a desperate struggle to distinguish myself from the sounds of forks clanging against plates and so on and so forth. Anyway, I would like to express my utmost appreciation and deepest gratitude to Sidney Jones, Dr. John Duke Anthony, and the National Council on U.S. Arab Relations for giving me this opportunity to discuss the lessons and experiences I took away from the internship program last summer. When I first entered the program, I thought I would be able to merely confirm and expand on the narratives that I already held within me. And fortunately enough, um, this program instead deepened my knowledge, insight, and perspective on the Arab world and gave me a deeper sense of what it means to engage with this region in a way that is not so simplistic, but rather uh, fundamentally dedicated to uplifting, uh, uplifting people everywhere. Um, and this project was done through both academic seminars, site visits, along with the internship program itself, meaning that I got to engage with institutions and figures that I otherwise could not have even imagined encountering in my life. Furthermore, I can't imagine ever knowing any of the things that Dr. John Duke Anthony learned within a day of his life that is so stunning and awe-inspiring. And so ultimately, I want to say that I am a product of the National Council's mission to enhance awareness of the Arab world and to deepen our understanding so that they can manifest in shifted cultural attitudes and um, better foreign policy. But what does it mean to be more aware or more understanding? You can be aware that you're hungry, sure, but how do you know what to eat? without spending five hours on Yelp looking for the best restaurant nearby. And, you know, how do you, you know, you can be aware that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but what do you do when you realize that that light is actually an oncoming train running towards you? And so the National Council confirmed for me that the ongoing engagement between figures and policymakers in the Arab world and the United
States is crucial to establishing sustainable relationships and once again shifting cultural attitudes and manifesting better policy. Um, without this, you can't even have a conversation that's worth spending time on. Without this, you can't even say anything worth saying because you have to come from a place of nuanced understanding and goodwill and a connection to the other people that you are trying to seek resolutions with. The Council's work is ultimately dedicated to having a lasting impact on the stories that we tell ourselves and others, the stories that we are so used to sharing and saying that is a part of our journey. So these lessons ultimately filtered into my understanding of my own work in college. Over the course of the last few years, I have dedicated myself to understanding the interactions between the United States and Russia in terms of foreign policy in the Middle East. And um, my senior thesis is also dedicated to focusing on those interactions specifically in the region of Syrian Kurdistan. I am not happy to say that, due to recent events, these topics have become much more relevant than I ever hoped they would be, um, to a frightening degree, actually. But it's this kind of pursuit that gives me a sense of purpose, and that comes from a devotion to making the world a better place. Um, it's this profound sense of duty to navigate visions that otherwise seem irreconcilable, that otherwise seem impossible to even put together in the same stage. And yet, I know for 100% that no progress can be made anywhere without the substantive level of engagement and the political will to act beyond our personal interests. And so that's why we have to ask ourselves, what is the world that we're building toward? Why is it that we do anything that we do at all? Who is to benefit from the decisions that we make in our day-to-day -day lives, in our day-to-day -day arenas? And so, as the tectonic plates of the world shift, it is easy to find stability in our identity and our principles. And it is good to find ourselves rooted in these core values in order to guide our decision-making, in order to essentially be able to express ourselves to the world around us. Um, but these cannot be barriers to being bold and dynamic with the decisions to come. The challenges we face can't be dealt with leisurely. Uh, to go back to the idea of trains, Howard Zinn once said, you cannot be neutral on a moving train. And to add to that, I would like to say you cannot be neutral when that train is running toward you. Um, this is why I choose to have faith in the idea of taking passionate stances that are grounded in principle and common understanding and engaging in goodwill and reimagining orders that have seemed to lost their grasp. Because what we're doing here is not about the next career move the next quarterly projection, or the next tactical success. Instead, we must be carving better paths and forging better existences for people to come for the future to, that we hopefully cherish. And I 
seem to have lost track of what I was initially going to say, so I will just end with um, a reinterpretation of a Greek proverb. The world grows great when people today plant trees in whose shade they know they will never sit under. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Arm. So before I turn the podium back over to Dr. Anthony for the rest of today's session at lunch, I would like to say if there are any students here that are interested in any of our programs, please come and talk to me. I'd love to chat with you more about how you could become involved in either Model Arab League, one of our study visits, or any of the other programs that we offer. If you're a parent here and you think your student, your daughter, your son might be interested, please come talk with me. Okay? And without further ado, I'm going to turn it back over to Dr. Anthony.